Welcome back to Around the Oval, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the Ohio State student experience. I'm your host, Rohan Makajani, and today I have with me Remy Powell, former Pelotonia undergraduate research fellow and current first-year medical student at OSU College of Medicine. My interview with Remy is going to be a two-parter. There's a lot of insights and stories that he had to share about life in medical school and OSU in general, so it'll definitely be more digestible in two parts. In the spirit of his advice, I encourage you to listen to this at 1.5 speed. Remy thinks he's an especially slow talker, and frankly, after many, many conversations with him, I wouldn't disagree. So let's get to it. My interview with Remy, but first, here's Hang On Sloopy. And we're here with Remy Powell. I'm so happy to have you. This is our first professional student on Around Ooh. the Oval. What's going the, on, the Remy? Fir- the first alumnus. The first alumnus. You're going to be a double alumnus soon. Yeah, big, big honor to be a double Buckeye. It should be an honor that you're on ATO as well. Let's get <laughs> into it. Five it is an H- honor, Rohan. Five H's. Here we go. Remy, where's your hometown? Uh, my hometown is right here in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, Buckeye born and raised. A local boy. What yeah. high school did you go to? I went to St. Charles. That's only like 15 minutes away. Yeah. Right? I, I passed Ohio State on the highway every single day driving to high school. Literally your entire life. A whole 20 plus years. On to the next age. Who's your hero? I feel like this is kind of a, a default for a lot of Ohio people, but I'd, I'd say LeBron James. Yeah. I, I'm always impressed by how he's been able to kind of maintain his image both on and off the court. He gets so much garbage thrown at him day in and day out and literally since he was 18 years old yeah the the pressure put on him um the high road he's maintained throughout his entire career um given back to his community and i feel like he's never really forgotten where he's come from and uh, i respect that a lot because of the success he's had cool what is a hobby that you have do you get to have hobbies in medical school is that um, allowed yeah, you you do. Uh, d- despite the common belief, you do have time to be a normal human being and have fun. Um, I'd say my biggest hobby through undergrad and uh, medical school would be intramural sports. Yeah, I've played a wide variety. I did flag football, basketball. Uh, I was very thankful my roommates got me into ice hockey. I am absolutely garbage. I am like a giraffe on skates, but it is probably That's what it's for. the most fun yeah. sport, the most fun intramural at OSU. If you've never played hockey, still strongly recommend it. So intramural sports, what is a habit that you have? One thing that I love to do if I have time to do it in the morning would be cooking breakfast. Yeah. I love starting off with a, a big breakfast, eggs, hash browns, bacon, avocado just all of it how early is that for you usually um it really depends one thing with med school is no no two days are the same so sometimes we have mandatory stuff at 8 a.m and i'm a late sleeper i hate getting up in the morning so normally i don't have time on those days but other times we don't have mandatory stuff till 10 i'll wake up at 8 39 cook a big breakfast and then head off to whatever i gotta do cool last h what do you hope for in the future? So one thing that's kind of scary, but also, you know, motivating to make the most of is that this is my last real summer. 
Um, what do you mean by that? So the way med school set up is that you get a summer after your first year, which, you know, I'm about to enter here real soon. Right. But then after second year, we take step one, which is the next big, scary standardized test. Yeah. And then we have like two weeks and we go right into our hospital rotations. So this is the last real summer I have in my life. And so what do you want to do with it? That's the thing. I, I'm really hoping for, you know, uh, a fun, productive summer, getting to see my family, getting to do a lot of the stuff that um, I've always loved to do growing up, getting out on the water, fishing, just hanging out with all my friends, you know, adventuring. I'm going on a trip down to Honduras. Oh, that's cool. Um, and then hopefully can set up some other weekend trips to visit undergrad friends in Chicago and Nashville. And Did you get to do the same in your summer between undergrad and med school? Because Remy, as most people don't know, he went straight into medical school after four years of undergrad, whereas most people nowadays take gap years. He went straight through. So what was that summer like? Yeah, that summer was... A lot of just kind of, you know, enjoying the last of an era. You know, I was still living in my undergrad house with my roommates. So, you know, making the most of still being with them. I didn't really get to travel a whole lot because I was kind of pinned down with some of the research I was still doing. But, you know, it's, it's definitely motivating knowing that this is the last true summer I'll get to make the most of it. And it's also nice at this point. Um, a lot of my undergrad buddies are like well established now mm-hmm. and have the opportunity to like host me as opposed to last summer they were still like moving into right, their jobs. Right. And for the most part, all of them have jobs while you're yes. stuck still as a student. Professional student and student for life. Got got at least like seven more years till I get a job. <laughs> awesome. So that's Remy. On to <laughs> the beef of the conversation. We're going to start with your involvement in Pelotonia as a high school student and then as an undergrad. You were involved with it for seven years, am I correct? Ooh, eight. Eight years. Eight. All eight as a writer. Correct. And so what qualifies you as a writer? So I think we got to take a step back first and kind of describe what uh, Pelotonia is. They, they call it a grassroots um, fundraiser for cancer research. So one of the things that, you know, the the higher up, the the big brains at OSU noticed was it's sometimes tough to get funding through national organizations to do all the really high impact, you know, high risk, high reward cancer research. So anyways, they they were looking at ways that they could, you know, subsidize their own research. And one of the things they thought was, you know, to start a bike race in order to fundraise for cancer research taking place right here in Columbus, Ohio. Um, So that was back in 2008. There's the inaugural ride. It started with just a couple thousand riders. They had Lance Armstrong riding that first year. And I was actually privileged enough that my dad, who's a huge cyclist, was like, look, Remy, this is an amazing opportunity you need to do it. So you were in it from the jump. I was in it the very first year. I can kind of say I rode with Lance. I saw him. Oh, that's pretty sweet. But he took off right <laughs> at the beginning. It was him and like one of his cycling buddies was just like blew away everyone. Yeah. Um, some of the stories I've heard was that they were going at like a mild pace for professional cyclists, Okay, which was like mid 20s on a bike (laughs) and then they said they got about 30 miles in had like a small group of people keeping up with them and lance just like looked at his training partner and just said all right let's go we have a plane to catch dang and they just shifted their bikes and cranked it up like 30 miles an hour 
goodness. And one personal story was my dad and I were at the rest stop at like 35, 40 miles, whatever it was. Cause that year I did the 50 miler Sure. and he looks at this little girl who is handing out snacks and she's like you know sir what what would you like and he's like i'll have whatever lance had and this girl just gives him like the saddest pouting face and she's like he didn't stop here so lance went lance straight through no yeah yeah people at the finish said he just went straight through the finish and on to like rode his bike to the airport and got on a plane and left but still a really cool experience sweet uh so you said you got started from your dad encouraging mm-hmm. you to do it what made you stay around for the whole eight years? Yeah, I think the 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 mo- it was an extremely impactful experience. So, like I said, it's a fundraiser for cancer research. One hundred percent of every dollar, um, you know, fundraised by riders and organizations goes directly to cancer research at Ohio State. And that being said, that very first year, there were people all along the route supporting the cause. There was patients outside of a hospital with IV drips in their arms, just cheering us on where it's like, wow, like you guys are the ones actually fighting right. cancer All we're doing and, is riding and on we're a just bike. fundraising. Yeah. And there are people other years holding signs along the route, you know, when it gets hard in the Ohio farm country and there's not a whole lot to look at every couple miles, there'd be someone holding up a sign like cancer research at OSU at the James saved my my wife's life right like I have the fundraising that you guys are doing to thank for my wife still being alive today so it's it's that experience seeing those people um you're riding alongside people who are actively fighting cancer people who are survivors of cancer it's just this whole community that comes together um to fight you know this horrible disease that unfortunately pretty much everyone will be impacted by at some point. I lost my grandfather to cancer before I was born. I had one of my really close high school buddies um, be diagnosed with cancer in just this past week. Um, I had another friend who I found out on Instagram who I went to high school with was um, diagnosed with another form of cancer. So it's just something that it's so prevalent and it's just such a terrible disease that everyone rallies behind it. Right. And it's just truly inspiring to be able to, to see the momentum that this this organization, this fundraiser has, and, and the hope it's instilled um, kind of in our community. I was lucky enough to ride last August and seeing on the back of certain riders just the jersey saying survivor mm-hmm. really just encourages you to go through. I think when you go through Granville downtown, yeah. they have pretty much the entire population of that city come out and support all the riders. It's truly incredible to be able to experience, which is why I'm so involved in marketing for Pelotonia and Team Buckeye. Uh, They definitely make it um, available to anyone who's interested in it. So OSU students, um, all you listening, you can get discounted rates by being a part of Team Buckeye. So while it might be a little daunting seeing the fundraising goals there's opportunities to have you know reduced fundraising rates that make it very manageable for a student to participate right there's all different ride lengths from you know 25 miles which you know you'll be on such an adrenaline high riding with such a group of people and everyone cheering you along that you'll get to the 25 mile stop and be like wow i wish i could do more um they have 25 50 75 
a hundred and all the way up to two day. Yeah, I think it goes all the way up to two hundred. Yeah, now. I think this is the first year they're doing a two day, two hundred mile right. bike ride. So it's just truly incredible experience, and everyone is affected by cancer in some way. So I, I definitely recommend every OSU student look to get involved in some way, whether it's you know riding, volunteering um just right. cheering on the riders and i always plug it as kind of the big boy buckeye thon at osu <laughs> and it is daunting because it, you, it does require you to fundraise from 750 dollars all the way up to whatever you mm -hmm. want to go to really um so on that note did you find it hard to fundraise year after year um honestly no not really uh i was kind of lucky that being one of the being in the inaugural year um i had connections developed with you know friends family members people from my parish that you know i had started in the very beginning and they got they wanted to donate and i'd have people you know after my second third year i'd i'd see them around town and they'd be like hey remy when are you sending out that email to you know donate to pelotonia like people people wanted to give and participate right. and be a part of it there's so many ways to fundraise the thing that we don't think about i tell i tell kids now it's tax deductible. Yeah. Right. It's a donation to charity. So sometimes I feel bad where it's like, like, that's the reason I almost wanted to stop riding. Cause I'm like, wow, like, you know, I feel like I've, you know, pulled all this money from people, but like one, they're getting a tax break for it. So like, it's something that they're either going to pay to the government or they give to this Two, they're supporting a cause that affects everyone. So as opposed to, you know, buying a magazine for magazine sales when we were back in grade school this is going to cancer research it can help improve lives so it's very tangible and it's something that you know they can direct they can feel empowered by and you know it people were asking me when they would have the opportunity to donate again it's something that you know it helps everyone um i had a friend whose mom was riding and she knit gloves so you could buy gloves from her so you'd get something as you know incentive to donate or you'd get people do like baked goods or other sales i personally you know never had a problem everyone in you know my family my aunts and uncles my parish members were always very supportive um, one of the things i do is if you donated to me you could send me the name of someone who you wanted me to like dedicate the ride to so during the ride i would have these names written on my back of loved ones who people were donating in honor of so it's a cool way to you know make it more meaningful and more memorable for Definitely. you know these people as well and if a fundraising 750 plus dollars isn't within your scope a super cool thing that pelotonia introduced this past year was an app called pull i think it's p-u-l-l-l -L -L, yeah i think maybe. it's got three l's it right. yeah the three l's it's p-u-l-l-l -L -L. And essentially, it's a passive way to fundraise for Pelotonia. And they do it in the spirit of the ride. Essentially, if you log onto the app and plug in the times that you're exercising, whether that's biking, whether that's running uh, on a treadmill, both indoors and outdoors, you can accrue money donated by uh, private industries. Mm -hmm. They have a fund established that riders can collect money from in order to help fund their ride. Yeah, so I'm looking at mine right now and... This was last year on July 22nd. I was training for my ride and I rode 18 miles that day oh, and I sick. I raised a dollar and six cents for Pelotonia. <laughs> and if you do that enough, whether you're a runner, whether you're a biker, um, pretty much any form of cardiovascular fitness, you can mm -hmm. contribute to Pelotonia, but not make the commitment to ride. 
which I think is super cool and unique. It encourages fitness, it encourages a healthy lifestyle, which ultimately does help to combat cancer. I'm so so Remy said a cool way that he fundraised was to send out emails and encourage people mm -hmm. to send in a list of their loved ones. Uh, you heard about the person who was selling knit items, as you guys have heard a million times. By listening to the sponsors and the advertisements in my podcast, we're also raising money for Pelotonia. And so we're going to hear a brief message from our sponsors and be right back when Remy and I start to talk about his transition from undergraduate to medical school. We're back. If you skip through the advertisement and sponsor from Anchor, go back and listen to it because, again, you're raising money for Pelotonia. Oh, you can't skip through it? No, but if you're listening on 1.5 or two times speed, that's okay. Oh, because that's the I way money is that. accrued. It's if you listen to 30 seconds of the advertisement, and oh. the advertisement's only like 45 seconds long anyway. Okay, so you can't skip through it. No, you okay. can't. So I was always being a dick when yes. I would listen to podcasts. I'd know the advertisement was roughly a minute long and press fast forward well, four times. For bigger podcasts, they get like a flat rate for their advertisement. Okay. So you're really not doing anyone a disservice there. But for me, so help Rohan guy, out and yes. just listen to the 30 seconds, suck it up. Maybe you'll hear something. Absolutely. Like. Flip on two times speed. I do that anyways for everything. So on to the next part of this interview with Remy. I have a list of assumptions about med school. If you guys tuned into Courtney Dilley's podcast, I did something similar about club sports. We're going to do it with med school. I have a few more. I think that it's going to provide some really interesting and thought-provoking insights about going to medical school. First one, if you don't get all A's as an undergrad, you won't make it into medical school. I can personally say this is not true. Um, while Okay, so sell. Okay. So I don't Let, agree let's do, with that. Let's do the flip of it because I just got all of these from like Google and okay. online searches. How about one bad grade is going to kill you? Um, again, sell. So I would, I would disagree. I mean, I coming into undergrad, I think my first or second semester, I, I don't even remember what my GPA was. I just remember thinking coming into undergrad, like, oh my God, like I want to go to med school. I need to do really well in all my classes. I need to ace all of them. I think one of the best things that happened to me was second semester getting not an A in Gen Chem 2, whatever, very common whatever it was. Yeah, I, I didn't get the A I was hoping for. And at that point, it was honestly great. It felt like this big weight was off my shoulders. It's like, wow, now I don't have to worry about you know, trying to be perfect for the next four years. Like it, right. it was a very kind of, obviously I was disappointed. I'm like, wow, I worked hard in this class. I wish I'd gotten an A, but it, it allowed me to kind of take that pressure off myself and be like, it doesn't matter. Like I'm still going to go on with my life. Like you don't need to have all A's classes throughout the rest of it. Everything's graded on a curve. Some classes, honestly, it's just not worth, you know, fighting for everything. Yeah. Yeah. I think one thing that they you see in medical school is, yeah, it's really important. You have to have a good GPA. If you don't have, you know, necessarily the best, you should be able to back it up with other things, extracurriculars that bolster your resume, or at least be able to justify. Like I have friends who, you know, they did pretty poorly first and second year of undergrad, and then were able to rebound third and fourth year. And right. that was part of their story they like who they were like adjusting into undergrad and how they became able to you know 
fight through those first two years and learn from it and become a much better student third and fourth year. So you don't have to get straight A's. It would definitely help. But, you know, if you have bad grades, you at least got to back it up with something else. So first A minus hits in Gen Chem 2. Who'd you have? Oh, no, I think it was a B or a B plus. First B or B plus hits. I had Clark. So okay. I had I had Foose first semester and I love the way he taught. He taught everything the way I thought about it. It was sure. super numbers based. So I was used to being like, wow, I can practice this equation twice. Like I got it. I can regurgitate yep. that on the test. Like I'm good to go. And then I jumped to Clark, who, if I remember, he was very much um like theory based. So his was like I don't care at all about the math behind chemistry. He's like, I want you to understand like the concepts and everything that he tested on would be like the, the trick questions, the exceptions to the rule. Yeah. So like it was tough on me because I went from being like just to do well in gen chem, learn all the equations, learn the math, learn how to apply it. And that's what I needed to do well on the test yeah. to then transition to a completely different professor who tests a different way. I was still trying to study the way I did for Foose's class and Clark's, and I just didn't transition over quick enough. We love a, a soft plug for Dr. Foose. Yeah, big fan of Dr. I'm Foose. I'm always going to recommend him for 1210 and 1220. He teaches the night classes now, but if you get the opportunity, take at least one of them. You won't yeah. regret it. But you get the first B or B+. Plus, and then what do you change moving forward? How um, do you take that and then become better from it? Yeah, I think the the biggest change is just the mentality. I think it's, you know, you you reflect on what you did wrong. And I think my big part was not kind of adjusting to the new professor, which is something you have to do every single semester of college is, you know, realize what this professor finds important, um, adjusting on that. But honestly, like I said, I think it was one of the best things that could have happened to me because it just kind of changed my overall outlook. It took the pressure of, you know, trying to get a 4.0 off me for the next four years. So like my whole mentality kind of shifted into what I think was a lot healthier one of, you know, try your best, get what you get and move on. You know, the grades done. Like when you're applying for med school, they just look at your cumulative GPA. If you have anything that like sticks out, they might ask you about it. They might, you know, ask you a question similar to what you just asked me. But all in all, one bad grade is not going to kill you if you can talk about it. Like Assumption number two, med school is more reliant upon raw intelligence than work ethic. Sell. I that's, feel like that's an easy one. That's absolutely false. So, you know, some classes, I feel like it's about knowing, you know, the relationships. This is an undergrad. You know, if you can get down the general principles or you know how to apply the knowledge, it's great. In medical school, there are some things where it just doesn't make sense. You're like, wow, I don't understand how like this necessarily always leads to this. There's a lot of things where, you know, in lecture, they're like, yeah, this drug does this. We're not 100% sure of its mechanism of action. So like it's very much about putting in the hours, learning the relationships that might not necessarily make sense. Being raw, having raw intelligence is great. It definitely helps having good test taking skills is 100% a bonus, but when it comes down to it, there are going to be a lot of questions on exams where it's just did you put in the hours to learn these relationships, to understand this concept, to understand the principles behind it, to get these questions right. Like, granted, if you have a photographic memory and you can go through everything once and remember it perfectly, then yeah, you're in a different category. But 
Um, I have yet to meet that elusive medical student that everyone kind of talks about. The mythical person who goes through each lecture once, understands it perfectly, and doesn't have to do anything else. Everyone I know uh, commits to the grind, getting in the library, you know, hours each day, getting through the lectures two or three times until it starts to stick, using outside resources to help cement everything. From what I've seen, 100% about putting in the effort. Assumption number three. It's not worth going into $200,000 worth of debt to become a doctor. So this one's a tough one. I'm going to kind of take a cop out and say pass on the this buyer as a, sell. Yeah, the, the buyer fine. sell part of it, because I feel like this is this is a very personal decision. It's something each and every person has to make, um, because what I'd say is if you are someone like me where I knew from a very young age, I want to be a physician. It incorporates, you know, everything that I'm interested in, that I love. I love helping people. I'm fascinated by the human body. I've always loved, you know, anatomy and biology as classes. It's what I knew I wanted to do. If you're someone like that, then yeah, you got to sack up and, you know, accept the fact that you're going to have a lot of delayed gratification. You're going to have to work really hard and you're going to have a big price tag over your head for a couple years. However, you know, not everyone is in the situation to be able to accrue, you know, $200,000 of debt. And, you know, it just might not be the best option at that point in life. So I can't, I can't give that a pass or, or a buy or sell. Overall, I'd say that was a good nuanced answer. Yeah. I'd not everything can be painted with a large stroke. This is true. Overall, I'd, I'd say it's worth it you know, everyone does it. It's something that, you know, it, it comes with the territory, but you know, it's, it's just not the right decision for everyone. Cool. Assumption number four, OSU med school is cutthroat. Um, big pass or big sell. I don't know why I'm saying pass. Uh, I would say OSU med school is not cutthroat. Um, I've had fantastic experiences with, you know, all of the students in my class. Um, everyone is super helpful super encouraging. You know, if I don't understand it, I know that any of the people I see in the library, I can literally walk up to and be like, Hey, did you understand this concept? Or, you know, how did you learn this? Every single interaction I've had with people has been supportive, has been trying to help, trying to share. Um, two of my students, two of my really good friends who I'm actually living with next year, take the time to make a PowerPoint summarizing every single lecture we've had for that block and just post in a Facebook group to share with oh, everyone. Cool. Yeah. So they, they share all of that. We have the older students, the second and third years make practice exams for us um, that they pass down each year to, you know, help us by, you know, giving us common questions, common shortfalls. They have their own PowerPoint that they create to help us, you know, summarize what they think is the most important. Um, I, you know, we also transitioned to a pass fail system where to try to decrease the stress of, you know, med school and decrease the amount of intra class competition. So 100% think it's a very, you know, supportive and encouraging environment. Have you heard any horror stories from other medical schools or other classes? Sure. Um, I mean, I heard a few years prior from an older student I'm close to. So right now our grade is essentially you get a number grade after each exam, you know, you get your 
whatever percentile of the questions you got correct. And they do some curving and adjusting based on questions that they ruled unfair. And I heard from a student of, from a few years prior to us, they used to have a system where it was pass fail, but then among the pass, they separated it down into something like honors, which was the top five or 10% of the class high pass letter, like high pass would be the next sure. 10, 15%. And then, letters which would be the next you know 10 15 percent so essentially you got pass fail but if you were in the top 25 30 percent you got an extra distinction um this individual said he had earned above a 90 on every single exam and had yet to get oh, either of any of those Whoa. distinctions yeah um so the students at that time reviewed the system said this is bs it's a talk it's creating a toxic environment you know it's not healthy as I would everyone's imagine, yeah and it's unfair for people who are doing incredibly well on the tests you know getting above a 90 percent on a you know a medical school level test sure and then still not being able to you know receive a distinction is now reflecting poorly on them and not accurately reflecting their work so osu is really good at taking feedback from classes and trying to help incorporate it and that's why we have now just a pass fail would you say that osu's med school is progressive in that sense and that they're taking considerations of the students and residents into account in developing their curriculum and then whatever else you guys do yeah i say that they they definitely try to be receptive to feedback they try to um help us in any way we have undergraduate or excuse me we have um medical students on you know advising boards to the faculty, airing our complaints, talking about things that, you know, we're having trouble with or things that we felt were unfair. And they try to, you know, incorporate that feedback as best they can. Assumption number, who knows where we're at? Five, maybe? I, I don't know. Five. Five. You can't have fun in medical school. All of these are sell. They're like catered. Yeah. They're like, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're giving me softballs. Right, but You like, can have fun in medical school. Okay, I'll buy it. Like, so... What I tell people, I've, I've had a lot of conversations with undergrads looking to get into medical school. And what I tell them is, you know, you you won't be able to do all the same stuff you, you did in undergrad, but there is plenty of opportunity to still incorporate fun and activities and hobbies into medical school. Whoever tells you otherwise, don't listen to them because... There's plenty of opportunity to do fun stuff. So just yesterday, um, another medical student hosted a, a build your own pizza party where we went. He had a, a pizza oven and everyone took turns making pizza and drinking at two in the afternoon on a Saturday, enjoying the beautiful 65 degree Ohio weather. We're finally it's getting season. Um, you know, I'm playing intramural sports. I played on a basketball team and an ice hockey team. And I played on flag football. People, host, we have host block parties at the end of every block. It's truly about time management. Um, if you're good enough with your time to get through everything in an efficient manner, you still have plenty of time to do all the things you love. We have whole clubs in within medical school dedicated to fun things, like a board game club, um, to name one off the back. We have group messages that are dedicated to playing basketball where people are just like, look, I want to go play pickup. Who's down. Um, do you think at OSU that that's the exception or do you think that's how it is 
throughout obviously you don't have that experience but do you think other med schools resemble the same culture that osu has i will say that i definitely think osu does a great job uh facilitating it you know they they are they help i don't know if they they sponsor but they know about the block party like encourage it yeah yeah. we have a med prom that is through oh that's cool yeah Yeah. so we had we had a med prom um late february that they've sponsored so you know they they want it to be that environment they want you to be a normal person and have your hobbies and have everything else it's a big 10 midwest school after all that's it's very much the mentality is you know get outside do the things you love um i can't speak to other schools I'm assuming, you know, if you go to any medical school and you have your shit together, you can have the fun you want to have. It's just like an undergrad. There will be times when an exam's coming up where you have to make the sacrifice and stay in during the weekend. You know, that happens. But to say that I you think can't if you're have... going to Ohio State's medical school, you've probably lived through that life to a minor extent already. Yeah. I mean, it's just like anything else. You have to put, get your priorities straight, but sure. to, to think that you can't have fun in medical school is wrong. Next assumption. Cool. So that was a buy. The first buy. Assumption number six, you should go to the medical school with the highest rank on US News World Report. And I added this assumption in there because I feel like a lot of pre-meds at OSU, on Reddit forums, on Student Doctor Network, all of them push the message that you should be striving for the highest that you can possibly achieve. Why do you feel that that's the case? Yeah, I I think that's a really good question. And I think that the first buyer sell that. So sell that is not where your priority should be at. So why? Why do you think that's the case? So I think that's the case because a lot of medical students um, are very, you know, forward thinking, at least in my experience, meaning, you know, to get into medical school, you've had to have a plan since, you know, most likely senior year of high school, at least pretty early on in your college career in order to, you know, build up the resume, build up the going on the traditional route, usually building up the different activities that will help, you know, support you getting into medical school. So then if you extrapolate that to the next step, you're thinking about, well, after medical school, where do I want to go? I want to get into a competitive residency and, you know, the competitive field that I want, because, you know, even after medical school, the, it doesn't stop in the sense that you still need to continue to perform in order to, it's a job. Yeah. I mean, it's professional school, right? Yeah. So, I mean, if you look at it from the sense of getting into going to, you know, the fifth rank school will help my application to residency. It makes sense. You know, you want to put yourself in the best position to succeed. But I think that, you know, defining a school by its number on a list based on research and not necessarily academics as well, you know, disservices a lot of other aspects of medical school and four years, if not more of your life that you will be at that school. Why'd you sell then? So why did I sell? Because if you are fortunate enough to get into a number of medical schools and you boil down your decision on which one to attend based on the number on the U.S. News and World Reports list, um, then you don't have your priorities straight as to why you're choosing a school. Um, I think it's got a lot more complex, uh, complex factors that go into that decision, you know, such as how do you fit into the school? 
what are the school's strong points, what does it sell, what other individuals are going to the school, how do you fit in, which I already said, but that should be on the list of your decision multiple times because this is going to be you know, your home for four years and you better hope that you're at a place where you can make friends. Cool. That's my last. Actually, no. Here's one more. Because I've known you for a while. I know you're in a relationship right now. So here's potentially a fun one. Yeah. Buy or sell. It's challenging to maintain your academics while being in a relationship in medical school. Um, I, I will buy this one. I mean, for the fact that, you know, being in a relationship, you're committed to someone and academics is a huge part of medical school. Um, and it can be challenging at times, especially getting closer to exams. So my girlfriend, Sam, she accuses me of going MIA for a little bit around each exam because what it takes is me, you know, just going into the library and putting in the hours as we talked about the work right. to get it. Um, you know, thankfully, she's incredibly supportive and patient with me, knowing that I you know, have this huge commitment on my plate. So I think it, it, but it is challenging at times for me, adjusting into medical school. Um, the workload on my plate was just night and day compared to undergrad. So it did put some tension on our relationship and the fact that, you know, I had to say no to a lot of stuff that I wanted to do. I wasn't as available. But, you know, I, I think a lot of it is about who you're with. Thankfully, you know, Sam's very supportive. Um, she's very understanding. She, being a nurse, kind of under, understands the field. Frankly, she still knows a lot more than I do. And it's kind of funny that I've told her, I'm like, look, if we're ever out and someone passes out, like, I'm expecting, you to, to do. I'm expecting you to take the lead on it. Like, you <laughs> definitely know more as, like, a fourth-year nursing student than I know as, like, a, a first-year medical student. Like, I could probably tell you, like the mechanism behind their passing out or whatever, but like you're the one who's she still knows the skills yeah, to she knows the skills stop. to actually deal with it, which is pretty funny. But yeah, I, I gotta thank her for really putting the putting the team on her back at different points and he, she's very patient with me and helps make our relationship work through it. That was cute. Sam Thanks. shout out to you. So, shout Lenny. out to Sam, best girlfriend out there. Way to plug that one. Yeah. That'll do it for part one. Part two will be released early next week with some more questions about actionable steps for pre-meds and the slow burn round from Remy. As always, please rate us on Apple Pods, subscribe on Spotify, and share us where you can. Especially for students aspiring to go to medical school, I think Remy has a ton of experiences that can help navigate the landscape. I won't ramble on. Thanks for listening and see you guys next time.